Hey guys, welcome to Forward Church Online. My name is Pastor Courtney Olson. I'm one of the pastors here at Forward Church. Um, we're really excited that you have um, tuned in and you're, you're here watching the stream. We just have a really encouraging word for you today and we're just praying that you experience Jesus in all his fullness. You know, it's uh, what the gospel's all about. It's all about Jesus, and you know, during this time, um, during the challenges that we face during this time, there's nothing uh, more important than to look at the person of Jesus. And so, it, you know, as you're as you're sitting in your computer chairs or you're sitting at home on the sofa and you're watching this, I just pray that today's word just encourage you. It lifts your head up. It gives you a brand new strength, a renewed strength in whatever season that you are in currently. And I just believe that the gospel is the power unto salvation. And, you know, that, that word salvation, you guys, as a lot of you guys know who watch us, is that word salvation is a lot more than just getting our ticket to heaven um, it's, it's a lot more to look forward to than just the day that we go on to be with the Lord. But salvation is a life lived with Jesus now. You know, today is the day of salvation. And with the spirit of the living God living on the inside of us, there is, um, there is the fullness of Christ to be held, uh, to be to be shared in. And so, you know, before I jumped up here and was going to share with you guys, I was reading this verse and I just feel like it just sets the tone uh, for to what we're going to be talking about today. And so I was reading this out of um, Colossians 3, and this is uh, the amplified version. And it says, therefore, if you have been raised with Christ... Have you been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead? You know that when Jesus was raised, do you know that you were raised also? You know that the life that he, um, the life that was imparted unto Jesus, conquering death, and conquering the grave, and that resurrection power that dwells on the inside of Jesus. You know, this verse is saying, you have been raised with him. That power is within you, and we can share in that. You know, it also talks about, if you have read Ephesians 1, it talks about the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that, uh, that is in us for those who believe. You know, it's our hearts being enlightened to know the hope of our calling, you know, to know the inheritance that we have in Jesus and to know the power that resides within us. And I just want to encourage you guys that there is a power on the inside of us. There is a power of Jesus on the inside of us and it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Now that's good news. Now you may be thinking right now, I don't feel like I have resurrection power right now. But I'm going to walk you through um, 
a story in the Bible, a very powerful story, and just try to um, pull out some key components and some life truths about how we get that resurrection power, that life that belongs to us now in Jesus for everyone who has said yes to him, that their life has been, they have been made, they have been born again into the family of God. Now that we can uh, boldly and confidently come before his throne saying, you know what? I'm a child of God. I belong to my, to my God. I belong to my father. And he calls me spotless. He calls me blameless because what he sees on the inside of me is he sees Jesus. And so let me finish this verse. It says, um, so again, it says, therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on things above the heavenly things, not on things that are on earth, which have only temporal value. For you died to this world and your new real life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You know, we have to keep our mind. We have to keep our thoughts. We have to keep our perspective. We have to keep our hearts. We have to keep our eyes looked upon things above. And that isn't meaning that you are so heavenly minded that you're just, you're not, you're not uh, able to communicate with people around you. It doesn't mean anything weird. It doesn't mean anything strange, but it means that you have a perspective in life that sees what is eternal is more real than what is temporal. You know, these cameras that I'm looking at right now, these are temporal. These, the things in this world, uh, it says in the word that will one day will rust and decay. You know, this life is but a vapor, but there is something. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, that we have a hope, that we have a hope in something that is eternal. And that eternal life has come to live in us and through us right now. You know, Jesus says this in John 17, 3. He says, and this is eternal life that they know me. You know, eternal life starts from the, from the moment that we begin our relationship with Jesus. And so I just want to um, share this story that I was um, reading about earlier uh, this week, and it really encouraged me. Um, how many of you guys have been in a, in a place or in a season um, where you feel like your strength is failing? Yeah, you know, there's a, I could see there could probably be a, a, a room full of hands that we've all experienced, um, you know, moments where we feel fatigued, where we feel weak. You know, my wife and our family, we just, um, 
we just got finished moving a couple weeks ago into a brand new home, and you're thinking, during all this? Yes, during all this. It was, it was um, challenging, nonetheless, to find hands to help move. But, you know, um, you know moving can be very challenging at times, um, packing up all your, all your wonderful stuff that you have and, and moving, moving it somewhere else. But, you know, I was um, fatigued, and the girls, my, my two little girls, we have a, um, we have a two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old uh, girl, and then we have a 10-month, uh, and 10-month, 10-month-old. And uh, so, nonetheless, we have our hands full. And so, you know, it was a very challenging move, and there was, and I continue to work, um, stay very busy with the jobs that I'm doing. It's, um, it's keeping me busy during all this time, but man, I was just feeling tired. I was just feeling fatigued, and I heard this story, and it just it just in, it encouraged me with everything that I, I feel like the Lord has been showing me. You know, um, something that my wife and I have been doing um, since March, since the beginning of March, um, for you guys that are uh, part of our part of our church here, community, you know that my wife and I have been uh, doing a Karis Bible study called Spirit, Soul, and Body. And you know that, that the truth that's in that, um, in that series and in that, and in that, uh, that topic, you know, it's, it's been so empowering uh, to understand the difference between um, what is our spirit, what is our soul, and what is our body to help um, to help us understand how to live by faith? You know, it says that um, I think it's in Second Corinthians five seven that it says we walk not by sight, but we walk by faith. And you know, a lot of times that that sounds really confusing, and it sounds like it, something really hard to understand. But what it simply means is. We understand the difference between what is spirit and what is soul and what is our body. Because if we understand um, how, to, how to grab a hold and grasp a hold of spiritual truth, then we can live a life that's based upon um, what this word says. You know, in James 1 I think it's in verse 22 through 25. It refers um, to the Bible as the perfect law of liberty. That if we look into this thing and we do not, um, we're not a forgetful hearer, as in we, what we read and what we, what we see, we, it's, we don't forget, um, we don't just read it, we don't just look at it and then not live the life and live out of the instruction that it says. But it says, the one that's a forgetful here is like a man who looks at himself in the mirror and immediately he walks away and he forgets what he looks like. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be somebody that when I look in the mirror and I walk away from the mirror, I forget immediately what I look like. You know, this word right here, this, the, the scripture, it's, um, you know, all scripture is, is 
is divine. It's given through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's for our instruction and it's for our truth and it's God-breathed. Every word on these pages is God-breathed to, to, to give us life and, and, and to fulfill us and, and give us everything that we need, you know? And we have to look at this mirror. This has to become our mirror that we look at to. You know, so um, so this story is really important about that, you know. So if you would, if you got your Bibles, you go to 1 Samuel uh, in chapter 30. And just to kind of give you a little bit of um, backstory on uh, what we're going to be reading, um, we're going to re- be, well, obviously we're in 1 Samuel. We're talking about, at this point of the story, um, you know, David, David's life is emphasized a lot. And, you know, to, to kind of catch you up to, to what's going on in 1 Samuel 30, you know, um, Samuel has been, uh, Samuel anointed King David um, as king in chapter 16. And then you find in, in chapter 17, um, David defeats Goliath. Uh, and then you see that uh, David becomes a general in Saul's army, who's the king. And then Saul gets incredibly jealous of, of David and all of his success. And, you know, Saul wants to kill David. Saul, you know, is, is trying to, is pursuing David to kill David. And every, David is, becomes a fugitive and is running uh, from the king of Israel. And, you know, there's, there's two times in the life of David, uh, you know, on his, on, his, um, in his, on his fugitive status where he's running from King Saul, that there was two times that King David had the opportunity um, to slay his adversary to slay his enemy, which was Saul at this time. You know, there was a time where King David was hiding in the cave and, and it was dark and, you know, um, David was able to cut off a piece of his robe and show to him that, hey, I could have I taken your life, but I spared it because, you know, you are the anointed of the Lord. And then there's another time that where um, David and some of his men were able to come into... Um, into their camp, and and they had the opportunity. There was a spear right next to to Saul and his commander Abner, and he could have just taken the life of Saul. And again, David said, "Look, shouted, you know, I could have, I could have taken your life, but I didn't." And Saul said, "You know what? I'll I'll leave you alone." But you know, he continued um, to pursue David. And so, at this point in this story, David. Uh, finds himself actually uh, allying himself with uh, the Philistines, with the very ones, you know, back when he killed Goliath, you know, the, the nation of Israel was, was standing on one side and, and the, the army of the Philistines was standing on the other side of this valley. And, and so it's interesting that, you know, David says, I will flee and ally myself with the Philistines so that I can escape the hand of Saul. And so uh, the, 
the armies, again, they, the armies, you know, Israel and the Philistines were, were constantly um, at war with each other. And so there came a time again to where uh, the Philistines gathered an army towards the people of Israel and um, Saul was greatly afraid and went to a medium, went to a sorcerer to, um, to, try and, uh, to try to get a word from the Lord because Samuel the prophet had died and he, he did some weird stuff asking Samuel to be raised, um, to come back, to, to speak to him. And, um, so anyway, so, uh, so David and his men are with the Philistines and the Philistines say, you know what, why, why, you know, the princes of the Philistines are asking, you know, and before this, David had lived with the Philistines for, it's like, I think a, a year and a half. And so he, him and his men and, you know, their, their wives and their children and their families had, had set, up, um, set up their homes with the Philistines and asked to be uh, to live in a remote country away from the city. And the princes, you know, so the armies of the Philistines were gathering against uh, the nation of Israel and the king of the Philistines at the time told David that him and his army would, um, would, would um, be in the rear of the army. And then all the princes started asking, why is David with us? What, what in the world is going on? Why is this man and his, and his men with us? And the king of the Philistines begins to explain, you know, um, what an honorable man that David is, and he's faultless and blameless. Um, but, you know, because of the pressure of the princes, the king asked for um, King David and his men to return back to their homes. And so, so this is when they're returning in 1 Samuel 30, uh, in verse 1, it says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Sounds like a terrible day. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now Abigail, or I'm sorry, now David was greatly distressed for the, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself and the Lord his God. And so I'm here to... My message today is called Strengthen Yourself in the Lord. You know, as we read this story, this is a really bad day in the life of David. You know, David is returning home 
you know, getting ready to um, getting ready to go to war with um, with his own with his own people. Um, you know, and I, that that I don't understand all the you know the scenario of of that, but um, but it, nonetheless, uh, David is is returning home. And um, he comes to find um, his place where his family lives is burned, desolated, and all of their all of their family taken captive. Now it does say in this verse they did not kill anyone, but you know we. I'm, I was thinking you know they they didn't they probably didn't know that. Now they were obviously taken captive so but there was unknowing they were unknowing of what what was the condition of their sons of their daughters now you know if i put myself in that position as a father and as a as a husband i couldn't imagine you know coming home to everything um to everything I'd built in the past, you know, year and a half and and established and, you know, coming home and it and it be burned and and be desolated. And then worst of all, I mean, those things don't really ultimately matter. The things that matter to us is, uh, you know, is our relationships, is our families, is our, is our friends, you know. And so this... David and his men, they come home to, I mean, to, to a really bad circumstance. And it says, again, it says um, in verse 4, Then David and the people who were, who were with him, meaning his men, of, his men of war, his men of valor, they lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep they had they had cried and weeped and wailed so long that there was no more strength within them to even weep anymore and it says it says in verse 6 now david was greatly distressed this you know this to me i was thinking about distress it's david was pressed David was squeezed. You know, David had gone, David had gone through a lot in his life, you know. Um, David, um, you know, conquering Goliath, I mean, coming from that and, and then going to, um, to win lots of battles and to be recognized and gain a reputation and only to shortly after um, all that to, for his own very king um, to pursue his life. And, you know, David had been anointed king. And, you know, before all this happened, before he, before he slayed Goliath, and, you know, David had to have been wondering, you know, as he's uh, constantly running from his life, um, from a man um, that he had... He had a great respect for, um, because of his, 
reverence and his respect for the Lord God, you know, he, you know, in spite of being pursued, David continued, um, just amazing, David continued to have integrity, David continued to be a man um, after God's own heart, and so, you know, there's a lot that we can learn from this story. It says, for the people, in verse 6, for the people, the reason that he was pressed was for the people spoke of stoning him. And I'm sure it came about as there were, there were people, you know, some of the people closest to David. And, you know, here's these guys that were following David. You know these guys were like David's biggest fans. Like, why would you choose to run away um, with a fugitive and side with him? Like, and, and, and if you understand the numbers, if you read later um, in this chapter, um, if you take the time to read the rest of the story, it says that there were 600 men with David. Now, compared to the nation, compared... Um, to the people of Israel and who were in Saul's army, six hundred men were was 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 insignificant. Was a small amount of people, and so for these people, for these men to be with David and to be on his side, I mean that's just remarkable for them um, to have that kind of, you know, to. To have that kind of um, that kind of love for David, that you know what, uh, you know David, we we believe in you, David. We've we've seen we've seen what the Lord has done uh, through you. We we see that you're a man after God's own heart. We see that you um, that you slayed Goliath, and you've and you have all these victories, and you have all these battles that you won. And all these great things about the person of David. And so these guys, you know, are like, I'm going to follow David. And despite, you know, the odds and, and the odds being against us, you know, with Saul um, coming after us, we believe in David. And so just to kind of set up, you know, so here's a group of people <laughs> that are, Obviously, they've laid their lives down. They've, they, they have genuinely laid down their lives for David. And it says that these are the people that spoke of stoning him. You know, it makes me think about where we just talked, um, we just had Palm Sunday recently. You know, it's, you know, and as Jesus was coming into uh, Jerusalem, you know, um, you know, in this triumphant entry, you know, um, riding on a riding on a donkey, you know, and and humility and and the people, as we know in the story, the people, you know, laid out palm branches and cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, in the most highest, you know, and so here they are, they're 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 Jesus is coming in to Jerusalem and they're and they're praising him and they're honoring him. And, you know, and it's just in a short period of time afterward, they're crying out, um, 
crucify him, crucify him. You know, there's a large crowd and they're trying to figure out, you know, the Pharisees are, are trying to, um, to try and encourage the crowd to, to release Barabbas instead of, instead of Jesus. And, and so they, they encourage the crowd and the crowd starts crying. The crowd that was, there was people probably there just a few days before, where, you know, where are those people? Well, those people are po- possibly in the crowd crying out, the same people that were crying out, Hosanna, 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 worshiping him, worshiping Jesus, giving him honor, are the very people that are saying, you know what? Crucify him. Release Barabbas. Release Barabbas. Just incredible, you know, just the churn of events, you know, even even with Peter, you know, it's just, you know, the 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 condition of, you know, the condition of men apart from Christ and apart from the love of God, you know, Peter, before being indwelled by the Holy Spirit, is saying, you know, Jesus, you know, I will, I'll never deny you. I'll, I'll never, I'll, I'll never deny who you are. I'll never deny you. And then Jesus breaks the the news to Peter that's like, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows, you know? And, you know, and then we see a different Peter after, after the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But my point is, you know, so here again is a people that were probably praising David for all his victories and accomplishments. Now, these people are the ones that spoke in verse 6, spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, right? So they, I mean, they had um, a legitimate, <laughs> a very legitimate reason to be grieved and um, to be sorrowful. Every man for his sons and his daughters um, had been taken away. So they're thinking about their families. They're thinking about David. You know, we we've we followed you. We've we've laid down our lives for you. And for what? For our for our children and our wives and for our family to be taken away, to be taken captive from us. I mean, what in the world, David? Like you how do, could you let how could you let this happen? You know, it's and it's like it wasn't David's fault. It wasn't David's fault. You know, at all, a lot of times when we're grieved and we're distressed and we're going through things, a lot of times you know, we may not um, see, we may not place the blame on people, but we may place the blame on God. God, why are you letting this happen to me? You know, when God is not the one who's allowing this great circumstance to happen, for you at all, but I, you know, I, we we live in a fallen world, and we live um, in a world that's um, that's littered with sin, and and so you know this this is a byproduct. I mean, they're in the land of the Philistines, you know, as as fugitives, and so. But it says here's the point. But David. Strengthen himself in the Lord his God. Now we have to. There are times in our life when we may feel 
like David where we are greatly distressed. That our, where we are feeling as if our strength is failing. As if our emotions are raging. You know, if you put yourself in the position of David, this seems like an impossible case. These people are speaking of stoning him. So what is he, what is David to do? David strengthens himself in the Lord his God. Another translation says encourages himself. You know, if you're watching, if you're watching this message right now, there is a time, and right now we have a lot of isolation. We have a lot of separation from each other. And I, I, you know, I personally am missing community and missing being with um, friends. And, you know, even there was a time, you know, having to be away from um, some of my other, you know, you know, some of my other family. And, you know, it's challenging. It's, it's hard. Um, but it's times when we... Um, where we feel isolated or we feel alone that and we feel like we are greatly distressed and our hope uh, feels f- hope feels far away and and we feel like you know there's there's no more there's no more strength there's there's nothing more to give that is the moment in time that we have to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And I, you know, I believe that there is some key components, um, some key truth to why David was able to strengthen himself in the, in the Lord. I don't believe that, you know, David was able to just wake up one day and be able to go through such adversity, to go through such a difficult circumstance and then you know what you know what I'm just going to strengthen myself in the Lord no I don't believe that it happened like that I believe um, I believe that David as he grew um, as he grew in his relationship with with the Lord I believe that there were things that um, that David had implemented into his life um, to where, to where God would call David a man after His own heart, and so, you know, one of the keys to being able to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, when there seems to be no encouragement or or no strength around us, you know, one of the keys is having a relationship with the Lord. You know, David, as we know, David was a shepherd. And we know that David was out um, shepherding in the field. We even, we even get a glimpse of some of the things that was happening um, when David would 
was out shepherding, you know, before he was even anointed king over Israel, you know, the Samuel went to the town of Bethlehem to, um, to anoint the new king, and the Lord spoke to him to go to the house of Jesse, and, and Jesse had, um, Jesse had um, I think it was six or seven sons, and, and Jesse, you know, went to each son and was going to, going to anoint each one, going from the oldest down to the youngest, and the Lord kept saying, nope, not that one, nope. Not that one. And then Samuel asked Jesse, the father of David, is there, is there another son? Because the Lord keeps telling me, nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. Um, and Jesse, his father, replies, yes, I have another son. He's, he's the youngest and he's the run of the family and he's always, he's always getting into trouble and, you know, I'm, I make, I'm making a lot, I'm making these things up, but you know, I'm just kind of um, just trying to paint a picture of what it possibly, you know, as being the youngest, I'm the youngest in my family. I was um, quite rebellious as a child and, um, you know, I, I, you know, it just seems to be a common theme with, with the youngest in the family, you know, they, they, they are, a run, you know, they're considered the run of the family and they're always you know, seeing what they can get away with. And, uh, you know, so I just picture David out there. He's, he's separated from his old family, separated from his brothers. And he's kind of probably doing the thing that nobody wants to do. You know, he's, he's alone. He's out shepherding. You know, we get a glimpse uh, in um, 1 Samuel 17, the chapter where David is to... Um, defeat Goliath that, you know, David, you know, says, you know, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this, who is this man, you know, shouting and yelling at the people of God? You know, this guy, this man who has no covenant with God, who is this guy? And, you know, David says, you know, Saul says, who, you're just but a youth, you know, because David says, I can take him. I can take this guy. I got him. I have a, I have a, co- I have a covenant with God. I'm, I'm in relationship with God. He, he, we, we spend time together. We talk. He says that I belong to him, that I'm, that I'm part of his family. And, you know, Saul is saying, you can't do it. You're, you're small. You're, you're the youngest in your family, you know. You, you can't defeat this man. He's a giant. And David says he gives us a glimpse into his life and into the field and into the pasture. He says, you know, there were times where I slayed, um, I slayed the bear and I slayed the lion. Not even grabbed the lion by the beard and slayed it. You know, David, before he had ever even had the opportunity to come against um, Goliath, he was out in the pasture, out in the field, you know, as he was shepherding um, sheep, was he was having to protect his sheep from from bears and from lions. I mean, man, that that would be um, that would be an interesting that would be an interesting um, responsibility to have in your life. But you know, I believe I wanted to read Psalm eight. 
um, just to give us a glimpse upon, you know, we have these great psalm, uh, these, these psalms, these poems that, um, that um, David wrote for us, you know, so that we could um, get a glimpse into his life and get a glimpse into uh, what he was feeling, what he was going through. You know, these psalms can be incredibly prophetic and, and be incredibly encouraging. You know, in fact, a lot of these um, psalms, they're prophetic of what Jesus would go through on the, on the cross, and um, they just bring incredible insight. But, I, you know, Psalm 8 is, you know, it's a very popular psalm, but it's one of, it's one of my favorites. And I'll start with reading in verse 1. It says, O Lord, o Lord our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who um, have set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouths or out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. I mean, you know, here here he is. He's he's singing this song. We don't know if he wrote this. Um, before he was ever to go against Goliath. But it says right here that, that you may silence, he's saying that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. So David is out there, you know, in the pasture, I don't know if you've ever been um, out somewhere where there's, you're away from, you know, we live in here in the suburbs and close to the city and we, we, where we used to live, we used to be away from a lot of the light pollution and, you know, got to see the stars, you know, really um, beautiful. I can recall, you know, when we got to, um, uh, Pastor Clint and I got to go to, um, Kenya together in, in 2014, and we were up on Mount Paca. We were up there, and we were camping in tents, and it's a, you know, it's a volcano. It's a remote mountain out in the middle of nowhere, and, you know, you, you look up, and the stars, I mean, you're probably, um, I, I want to say you're probably three, four hours plus away from any major any major city, and so you are out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you're driving on sand for like 45 minutes and then drive up a mountain out in the middle of nowhere and you're not seeing anybody. But anyways, the stars were just absolutely marvelous. I mean, I remember seeing the Milky Way really uh, so clear. It, it looked as if a cloud was passing over the night sky, but it was it was the Milky Way. It was, and it was just amazing. And I, so I could just imagine um, what David would look at during that time, and he would look at the stars, and he would look at the moon, and he would just look at everything that God had created, and go and say, "This what when I consider your heavens." the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. He says, 
What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. You know, there is something important that David was able to grab a hold of, to, to seal upon his heart. When he, when he looked up at the stars that God had ordained and created before him, that, you know, in those moments of David being out alone in the pasture and, and just being with the sheep and protecting the sheep and learning to be a shepherd and having those, those times and those moments to just consider God's handiwork, to consider everything that God had made. It's, it's in those moments that God was was doing something on the inside of David. I believe that in these moments that David was, uh, that's a moment when destiny was being sparked, that God was speaking to David that, you know what, I know what it looks like. I know that you're the youngest. I know that it looks like, you know, you have nothing to offer. I know that it looks like this, you know, but, you know, just as, uh, the Lord spoke to Samuel before uh, David was anointed that God does not look at the physical appearance, but God looks at the heart. And I believe that God, what God was doing, you know, and, and David was interacting with was he was he was developing a heart. He was he was developing communion with the Lord. And, 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 in, and in this communion and in this intimacy and in this relationship, this is what empowered David. This is what planted uh, seeds in his life to where that he would come against adversity and he would come against challenges and he would come against circumstances. And it's in these moments that I believe that David would look back upon. And so don't, do not despise, um, do not despise maybe your small beginnings. Do not despise where you are right now in life. I don't, it doesn't matter where you are currently right now. You know, every moment of every day is an opportunity to consider his handiwork. And you say, well, I just, <laughs> I live in the city or there is so much for us to behold. There's so much for us to see. You know, it's in these quiet times, in these moments of solitude, or these, these moments that would seem despised for David, that these were the moments of his life that would, would set him up to be able to strengthen himself and the Lord. And to continue, it says, verse four, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. So the Lord answers David and says, well, I'll tell you how I'm mindful of man. 
I've made them a little lower than the angels. I've crowned him with glory and honor. You know, David's, David's looking at this marvelous, this marvelous masterpiece of God's handiwork and saying, you know what? What do I have? What do I have to offer? What What do I have to give? And God's response is, I've crowned you with glory and honor. You know, God has crowned you with glory and honor. You know that God has value for you. And so for David to be able to persevere through this circumstance, through this challenge, through this great distress, David David had to go back to Psalm 8 and you know, what is man that you're mindful of him? And so... I want to tell you that you are valuable, that God loves you, that God cares about you, that God has a plan for your life, that God's not angry with you, that God's not mad at you, but God loves you with an everlasting love. It means there's no beginning, there's no end, and nothing can separate you from that love. God will not abandon you. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. God will not leave you as an orphan. God will not leave you alone. And so I want to ask you, you know, David was positioned to strengthen himself. And he was positioned to strengthen himself because he had this intimate relationship with the Lord. And he had this time with the Lord that he was able to position himself to overcome. Another important key part about David's life is he knew his covenant. You know, David knew his value, and David knew his covenant. You know, we have such a better covenant now through Jesus. You know, a covenant is something that uh, a husband and a wife enter into, and it's a a vow, and it's a promise, and unfortunately, that, that vow and that vow in our culture and that society, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean a whole lot, but to God, that vow, that promise that he makes, that those marriage vows that he makes to us, you know, God is not a liar that he would lie. And God is faithful, and God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. You know, there's so many promises in his word in his truth, and I want to tell you that regardless, um, 
what it feels like maybe right now in your life or what you're going through, I want to tell you um, that God is able to overcome and God is able, you're able to strengthen yourself in Him. You know, when we know our covenant, this is something I want to hit on. When we know our covenant with God, when we believe in our covenant with Him, you know, it, it positions us to get a clear perspective. You know, when David is getting ready to face Goliath, you know, he's getting ready to face this man who's been taunting Israel uh, day and night, and it says that the nation of Israel, that their hearts failed them because of the words of Goliath. You know, God, and, and I'm thinking, who cares? It's Goliath. You know, I'm thinking, do they not remember their history? Do they not remember who, who is for them, who is with them? Because if, if you read in um, the way that King Saul was even set up in the first place was the people came to the prophet Samuel asking him um, for a king. And Samuel brought it up to the Lord and said, Lord, the people are asking me for a king, for they want a king that will fight their battles. They're wanting somebody to fight their battles for them. They're, they're wanting to not have to do anything. They're, they're wanting to, they're not wanting to have to, you know, have a relationship with God. You know? But, but David, why David was a man after God's own heart? Because David knew his covenant. Right? That's revealed to us because David says, in 1 Samuel 17. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this man without a covenant? Who is he? Why are we letting him mock us? Why are we letting him talk down to us? You know, it may not be Goliath in our life, but there's a giant in our life that's speaking to us and trying to bring about fear in our life. Bring about worry. Bring about all these things, the cares of this world, trying to pull us away from the covenant that we have with God. You know, David was no different probably than any other Israelite. Being raised and taught the stories. Being the story of, of, of the children of Israel being enslaved to Egypt and, and coming out of um, coming out of Egypt and, and the splitting of the Red Sea and wandering of the wilderness for 40 years and, and, and crossing over the Jordan into a land filled with giants. Come on. <laughs> and now it's spoken of, there's just one giant taunting the nation of Israel. And David's probably thinking, 
Joshua, in our history, he led a campaign to where I think it's like it's 30 different nations. It's a, a mass campaign of, of giants living in the land, the promised land, where if we look back before when um, in the first year of their time, the children of Israel, their time in the wilderness, and they sent out the 12 spies, they sent out the best of each tribe to go out and spy the land out, um, you know, to, to, to go scope out the land, to go see what it looked like. And they came back with a report that, man, the land is great. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land with really nice houses. It's a land um, with great, uh, um, it's got large food, a land where two men have to carry grapes on their shoulders. I mean, it's a prosperous, plentiful land full of everything that they need, that they could go into a land and that God would fight their battles for them. But it says when, when, the, when 10 spies return, there is only two spies that had a report that was uh, only had a report that was as if as how God would see it. See, the thing that the other ten spies mentioned said it's a land full of giants and iron chariots, and it's a land that seems um, a land that seems impenetrable and and we're small and we're just grasshoppers you know and and Joshua and Caleb the other two spies they said we're able to take it we're able to do it if God be for us who can be against us right they were able to to remember and seal upon their hearts you know, a covenant that they had with God. That God was faithful to His Word. That, that, they, would be, uh, that they would be a nation of priests and that God, would, that God had made them His people. And that, if, that God, was, God was willing and God was able and God wanted them to walk into the promised land, then why wouldn't they be able to walk in it? It's all about our perspective. It's all about how we're seeing things. You know, we can either be, in our life, we can either be like the ten spies that, that magnify the circumstance and magnify the problem and magnify the giant. It says that the giant was given a name. His name was Goliath. You know, giants have names. But I'm here to tell you that there's no greater name than the name of Jesus and that every knee will bow at his name. <laughs> Glory to God. He's Lord. He's, he's our Father and he's for us. And so David going in to fight Goliath knew his covenant. And because he knew his covenant and because, of, because he knew his value and because he had 
intimate relationship with the Lord that he was able to magnify what is true. Now, you know, as I talked about the verse before earlier, seek those things that are above, not of the things of the earth. Now, when we look at the things of the earth, you know, we're seeing giants. We're seeing adversity. We're, we're seeing circumstance. And, and we're letting our heart be gripped and seized with fear. But, I, but I'm trying to, I believe that we can be encouraged and that we can lift up our heads knowing that we belong to Him. You are God's beloved. And I know that you may not be feeling it right now. I know that you may not be feeling love right now. You know, I don't know what you're feeling right now. But I know that this Bible, this scripture, this word is more true than what I'm feeling. You know, it's not to say that our emotions are necessarily bad. But emotions of worry and fear were never given to us by God. You're thinking, dude, that's crazy. I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. What I'm saying is when Adam and Eve were in the garden, the moment that they experienced shame or fear or worry was when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and, and when they ate of that tree, they were a branch that fell away from the vine disconnected they became in need of love but when we are grafted into Jesus when we make Jesus Lord and when we confess with our mouth and we believe in our hearts that he is Lord and that he has given us his righteousness, that he has exchanged his life, that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're saying, I don't feel like a new creation. I don't feel like old things have passed away. I'm telling you, the word is more true than your feelings, than your emotions. And if I can, if, if I can just encourage you um, just, just a little bit, you know, if I can just open up your heart, if I can open up the doors of your heart, just, just to open up a crack to let, to let that hope and let that truth enter in to be able to unfold God's life and God's quality of life on the inside of you, you will experience more peace, more joy, more victory than you could ever imagine. It's when we begin to live this life, regardless of what's happening um, globally, no matter what's happening with our jobs, no matter what's happening 
in our families, but we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That if we can seek first Him, if we could get our perspective clear, if we can get our if we can see as He sees things. You know, God is, uh, God is not worried right now. That it, I'm not saying that God, um, God doesn't care what you're going through. I'm not saying that God doesn't care what we're going through. I'm saying God sees, God sees the bigger picture. Amen? So I want to ask you, is our, are we positioned to overcome? Do you know your value? Do you, are, you, are you seeking first Him? Are you, do you know the covenant? Do you know your inheritance? Do we know our inheritance that we have in Christ? Do we know His promises? And if we know them, are we, are we responding in faith to grab a hold of what's already been given to us? Because all things that pertain to life and godliness have already been given to us. You know, all His promises are yes and amen in Him. It's up to us. It's up to us to, so to speak, um, turn the valve, to turn the handle that releases the life of God into our lives. You know, there's, there's an abundance of life. There's an abundance of overflow on the inside of you. And if you could just see yourself as a moment, you don't see yourself as a grasshopper. You don't see yourself as somebody who's weak and has nothing to offer. You don't see yourself as uh, the least of your family. You don't see yourself as the youngest, the smallest. Um, you don't see yourself as someone who can't communicate. You don't see yourself as having low confidence, but you see yourself completely in Him. You make your whole life about knowing Him because as you know Him and as you have this relationship and this intimacy with Jesus, it begins. you begin to see yourself as He is in you. Right? But go to it again in Colossians because that's what it was saying. It says, verse Colossians 3, verse 3, For you died to this world, and your new real life is hidden with Christ and God. Listen to this. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. When you see Him as He is, when you, when you let Him be what your, what your, where your vision is, when you let your, your eye be single, that you're not... You're not reverting to the left or to the right. You're not seeing it, but you see Him so clear. And when you see Him, you're walking on water. You know, I, I, I could only imagine. You know, we, we share a lot about the story about Peter walking on water in the midst of the storm. You know, Jesus appears walking on the water in the midst of a, in the midst of a terrible storm. And, and Peter says, is that you, Lord? And, and Jesus says, come, come to me. So Peter takes a step out of the boat and he begins walking on water. And then we all know the story that Peter got his eyes off the water. He got his eyes on the height of the waves and 
and the, and the wind around him and the storm that he was in, and he began to sink. But I'm wondering, what would it have been like for Peter, the Peter after he was filled with the Holy Spirit? The Peter, see, when Peter drowned in the water, when Peter was sinking in the water, when he took his eyes off of Jesus, this was a man that had not yet been filled with the Spirit of God. You know, this was a man that said, I'll never deny you. I'll never deny you, Jesus. And Jesus said, you know, I'm, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to give my life. And, you know, Peter says, no, God forbid it. And then Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> he's, he's telling Peter, you don't, you don't know the, the things of God. You don't understand. You don't have a clear perspective. You're not kingdom-minded in this moment. You're, you're earthly-minded. You're, you're, just, you're just seeing life um, through a carnal reality, meaning uh, just through what you can see, you can taste, you can smell, you can hear, you know. To be carnally-minded is death, but to be spiritually-minded is life and peace, Romans 8, 6. And so I'm wondering what Peter... <laughs> the Peter that sank in the storm, I wondered if Peter after, because we know that once Peter, Pentecost that happened, that Peter that seemed, um, who was denying Jesus and, and ashamed and, and fearful, that, Pe that Peter, that same Peter, that when he re received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, that he became incredibly bold to where it says that when, when the Spirit came, they all spoke in different tongues. It says that 3,000 were saved that day. And, he began, he, and Peter began proclaiming the gospel <laughs> incredibly with, with such boldness and confidence. That Peter, now I see that Peter not sinking. I see that Peter being able to walk on the water, to walk right to Jesus in the midst of the storm. And so I want to share with you that your destiny is not to, to just look at Jesus in the midst of the storm and just walk a little bit on the water, but our destiny as the beloved, our destiny as the uh, born-again believer, our destiny as uh, the, the children and sons and daughters of the living God, our destiny is to be able to, to walk on water and reach Jesus. Jesus is extending his hand out to you and he has given us the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So my questions are, how are we positioned to overcome? Is our perspective that God is for us or God is against us? What are we magnifying? You know, whatever we magnify, it'll become bigger in our lives. You know, before Jesus speaks of in Matthew 6, you know, 
6.33 where he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know, before that, he's talking about, you know, don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about what you'll be clothed with. Look at the birds. You know, they neither sow nor they reap, but yet their heavenly Father takes care of them. <laughs> Are you more valuable than a bird? I hope so. You are more, val more valuable than a bird. You are valuable to God. You are valuable to Jesus. You know how I know that you're va valuable? You, you know the value of something the, for the price that is paid for something, right? You know, I'm, you know, somebody is probably not going to, somebody's probably not going to offer me a, uh, a Corvette for for a hundred dollars? No, it has it has much more value than a hundred dollars. You know, someone's probably not going to sell me a, a house for for a thousand dollars. No, it's going to have much more value than that. Your life was paid for by the life of Jesus. You know, there's a song. You know, I you know we've heard sung. You know, I'll never know how much it cost. You know, I'll never know how much it cost. Well, we, we, we have to know how much it cost. We have to know how much it cost for him to give his life. Because once we know how much it cost, we'll, we'll, we will know our value. We'll, we'll walk in a, in a new newness of life, in a newness of Godfidence, in a, in a newness of, of boldness in our life. You know, there's no, there's no giant, there's no giant that has the power to rule over your life. There's no name that has the power to rule over your life. You know, so, you know, so I was saying earlier, you know, so when David was coming against um, Goliath, you know, all these, this, these armies, these, these men had been, if you grew up as a Hebrew, you were brought up hearing the story, the stories of, of God's miraculous hand being involved in their life and all the, the rescue and the deliverance and how they, they were fed for 40 years with manna, you know, and God, they were provided for. They said that their, that their shoes did not even, um, they didn't even grow old. And, 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 you know, it was just this miraculous God, provision from God every step of the way. And yet they're facing a giant that's mocking them and taunting them. And they don't, they knew the story. They had a relationship with the story. But they didn't have a relationship with the author of the story. So that's my question. Do we have a relationship with the story? That being the scripture, God's, the gospels? Or do we have a relationship with the author of the story? You know, so when David um, so David strengthened himself and encouraged himself in the Lord. 
And if we jump to um, 1 Samuel 30, verse 18, I'm going to end here soon. So it says that it says this. So you just kind of know the end of the story. So you know, as we as we were reading before, it says. So now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And so David asked the Lord. He said, "Shall I pursue him? You know, shall I go after the Amalekites? Shall I?" Go after them to retrieve uh, our family, our sons and daughters and our wives. And the Lord said, yes, you shall overtake them. And so David and his men went. And 600 of the men, 200 of them were too wearied and tired to go. And so they had to stay behind. But the 400 went and they were able to... um, to defeat the Amalekites. And it says this in verse 18. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking. Let me say that again. And nothing of theirs was lacking. Has the enemy taken from you? Have there been things stolen from you? You know, by maybe again, maybe of nothing of your fault. You're 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 in the middle of you're in the middle of circumstance and trial and something that you didn't even bring upon yourself. And you and you and you're coming back to to everything being stolen from you, everything being taken away from you, everything that you've known, everything that you're close to being taken from you. And it says this, verse 19, and nothing of theirs. And so David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Man, I just, you know, there's the things that we think may be insignificant and the things that we may think are small that have been taken away from us. Like I said, by maybe the hands of others or, you know, I mean, even if it's by our own doing, God wants to Restore everything back to you. Because God loves you. God cares about you. And regardless of how you feel, you just, you know, when, when you're in those moments where you feel like you don't have any strength, you don't, you don't have anything left to give, you just... Yeah, that's when you, you, you dig deep. You remind yourself of God's faithfulness. You remind yourself of those pasture times. You remind yourself of sitting underneath the stars and, and considering 
his marvelous work. You, you remind yourself of his goodness. You remind himself of his victories. You remind yourself of his strength. You remind yourself of his faithfulness. You remind himself that he's a healer. You remind yourself that he's a provider. You remind yourself that he's Lord. You remind yourself that he's above every name. You remind yourself that he's the great I am. You remind yourself that he's a shepherd, that he's a good shepherd, that it's the thief that comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But Jesus says that I've come to give abundant life and that we belong to him, that we are his sheep and his sheep hear his voice. You belong to him. I declare over your life that you hear the voice of the Lord that it may be in a still, small whisper, but that you hear it and that your heart is being, is your heart is being softened by his love and his truth. And you just say, you know what? I don't understand it. I'm, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm not, I don't understand why all these are, things are happening, but God, I know that you are good. I can look at Jesus and I know that Jesus is the express image of the Father. And I'm not going to, Lean on my own understanding, but I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to acknowledge you, and as I acknowledge you, you make my path straight. You don't have to figure it out. I don't have to. I don't have to understand A, B, C, D, and E. I don't. I don't have to understand all the different different things. I don't. I don't have to. I don't have to go by a way that seems right to a man that leads to death. I can have an intimate relationship with you, Jesus, and I can have a relationship with you, Father, and I can, I can just trust no matter what it looks like, and I can, I can move my thoughts that where they're, they're in constant, uh, they're in constant, um, they're just in constant awe of you. You know, it says this in um, Isaiah 26, 3. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You know, there is a perfect peace experience as you keep their mind on him as you look at him you don't look at the size of the giant you don't you don't look at the size of the storm you don't you don't look at you don't look at what CNN's saying you don't look at what Fox News is saying you don't you don't look at what what people are saying on Facebook, you're not, you're not, you're not being pulled. I'm not saying that you can't, you can't be on Facebook and you can't watch the news. But anything that steals your peace is not worth having. Anything that, you know, the enemy, what he's able to do is. It, if, he, if he did it all at once, it would be very clear. 
But the way deception works is it's, it's, it's slowly interjected. You know, the places that we, sometimes the decisions and the choices that we make that lead us into a snare or lead us into a trap, you know, those, unfortunately, those are things that we have allowed our hearts to meditate upon. But I'm, but I'm telling you today that there's hope that you don't have to, you know, you don't have to wait or learn a bunch of information and learn a bunch of knowledge. You know, today can be the day. This moment right now can be the moment where your life completely changes. To where things you have been seeing, you've You've read a thousand times or you've looked at a hundred times and it's just, it's never connected to your heart. Saying, let go of, let go of all the stuff. Let go of the hurts, let go of the, your past, let go of the things that we want to hold on to. Let's stop being intimate with who we used to be. And let's start becoming intimate with who, he, with who he's made us to be. A brand new person, righteous and holy, where we look identical to Jesus. That the same love the Father has for Jesus is the same love that he has for us. Man. If we could just, if we could just grab a hold of just, (laughs) just the, the small piece of his robe, of his garment. You know what I'm saying? Just like the woman who was healed of her issue of blood, if we can, if we can just grab just, just a piece of who he is. There's life and there's resurrection and there's transformation. The greatest battles are won when we strengthen ourselves and the Lord when, we're, when we are in the midst of trial and circumstance. Hebrews 12.2 says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, I was thinking about, you know, we've all heard, you know, uh, how Jesus, this verse, you know, how it says that, you know, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And we've, we've all probably heard that, you know, we were the joy um, that was set before him. And that's absolutely 100% true, that we were the joy that was set before him, that he was able to endure what he went through, despising the shame and 
as set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, Jesus was able to get such a clear perspective. He was able to see something. He was able to see you. He was able to see me. And he was able to see our value, and he was able to see our worth. And he was able to see a new covenant that he was establishing and a life that could be um, acquired, <laughs> a life that could be that could be lived by by simply just believing, by resting in what he's already done. But there's a part of part of that verse that I just feel like God, you know, really spoke to me about was, you know, Jesus said in this life that we will have. Um, that we will have trials and that we will, you know, you know, we'll have tribulations and things, you know, and he says, you know, I've overcome the world. And so there is an, an enduring for us. And, you know, I looked up that word endure because it sounds, you know, it sounds like when Jesus endured, it's just it's like, you know, he kind of gritted his, you know, gritted his teeth and, you know, to try and make through, you know, but I, but I, I looked at some of the definitions of this word, and it's to to remain, to abide, to endure is to bear bravely and calmly. You know, despite what Jesus is going through, I think there was such, um, obviously there was such a grace for him to be able to endure. And I th and I just wanted, I just wanted to speak that into our lives that there's a grace for us that God. God's not the one, as if you've listened to, you know, listened to a lot of the teaching here. You know, we we teach that God is not the one orchestrating trials and circumstance and all these things to try and. Um, mold us and refine us and God's not using sickness and those kinds of things, you know, you know, but there is, there is, there is trial and there is circumstance living in this world. Um, and so we need, we need to be incredibly dependent upon his grace, um, upon his spirit on the inside of us to give us strength, not only strength to just endure but as this definition says it's to remain it's to abide it's to not be moved um, by the storms of life and the circumstances <laughs> I want to declare that you there is something on the inside of you it's greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world there's a strength on the inside of you that is great. I pray. I'm just going to close in prayer. Father, I just thank you for the people watching this message that they would grab a hold of that grace that's there, that they would be able to strengthen themselves in the Lord. That God, the things that seem, 
the things that seem big and overwhelming and seem like there's a, a chaos of emotions and a, a war that's happening, God, I just thank you that you are a deliverer. God, I thank you for your spirit. God, right now, if that's you right now, I just thank you that your heart is open right now. You know, this might sound like a salvation prayer, and maybe it is for you, but this could also be a prayer for you to experience that life. God, I surrender. God, I make you Lord. God, I'm tired of living life through my own reasoning, through my own knowledge. I'm tired of living my life moved by every circumstance and every challenge. God, I just thank you right now by faith. Right now, I just thank you for your resurrection life. I just thank you for that resurrection life that's on the inside of me from the moment that I believed. I just thank you that that would flow into the rest of my life. Teach me. Teach me how to grab a hold of. Teach me how to rest in you. <laughs> You're the teacher. Thank you that you want life for me, that it's your desire for me to experience your goodness, to experience your will. I just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that was, <laughs> that was long, but I think it was good and needed. And so I really pray that that encouraged you, pray that that blessed you. And um, just want to let you know that we are getting closer um, to opening as, you know, we're praying that, um, that we're able to you know, we're able to meet again as a community and as a family as soon as, you know, everything, everything kind of, um, everything gets better. And so, um, I want to give you guys some offering instructions here. You know, if you call this place your church, this home, and you believe, if you believed in this message and the messages that we share and they encourage you and you believe in the ministry that we that we have here at Forward, we want to give you a couple options on how you can give. You can go to forward.church slash give, or you can text uh, any amount to 84321. And there's, um, or you could send, you could find our address on the website and you could send, um, you could send a check in the mail or however you want to give. But, you know, one of the reasons I always like to talk about giving is, you know,
um, our famous, a famous verse is John 3, 16. It says, for God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him should not perish but shall have everlasting life. And so, you know, God is a giver. And if we are made in the image of God, which we are, you know, giving with our finances or giving with our money is it's something that we we put trust in, or I mean, it's it's something that's real. Um, but we we don't want to put our trust, you know, just in our in our money. We want to put our trust in Him and giving our finance, giving a portion of our finances is a great way to train your heart to trust God and. You know, and also, like I said, exercise um, who you are in Him. You know, as uh, being in Christ, you know, God so loved that He gave. And so I want to so love in His image that I give as well. So we hope this blessed you. Um, looking forward to seeing you guys again and soon. And uh, we're praying for you guys. Love you guys. We'll see you later. Bye.